Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, I introduce to you Mamie! <laughs> Fuck the kazoo, you deserve the original. The Midas touch, a spider's touch. Yeah, I hear that, and suddenly I am flying high above the crowd, dressed in marabou feathers with a golden wand in my hand, singing in a rich basso profundo over a throng of drunk and drugged Canadians. This was Toronto, Canada in 1992. I flew directly into the mouth of a Rococo sun, very Baroque giant sun. I elegantly flew into the mouth, and as the mouth slammed shut, the song O Fortuna began to play, and the crowd started to dance into a wild frenzy. Who, who, who could bring the crowd into a frenzy like this? Well, I'm about to tell you. It was me, Mamie! Who the fuck is Mamie? You might be asking yourself. You know, um, I haven't thought about Toronto or the gold party or flying into the mouth of a sun in really in weeks, (laughs) maybe years. And uh, just recently, my beautiful friend Mary said, quick, send me some pictures of Mamie. I I need to show a friend when you did drag back in the 90s. And uh, I luckily have lots of pictures of me uh, in in drag and doing the character that I used to do. And I was really young. I was like 18 uh, when I had this idea to create this character. And uh, she got to travel. This Mamie, she went to, Tur- well, she, she went to two places. <laughs> yeah, we- <laughs> she got to travel. Uh, Toronto and New York City. Which is great. And then, of course, Buffalo. I was really stationed in Buffalo. Uh, But I was thinking about like what my life was like then and what my life is like now. Like I've literally gone from Goldfinger to Daddy Finger in a short 26, 27 years. Yeah. So right now, I couldn't be further from living the life of of Mamie, but it's an important time in my life. And I thought it would be fun to share with you some stories of that time because um, the news is heavy today. It's there's lots of uh, there's a lot going on. And even though I want to talk about some of that stuff, I've decided to uh, talk about Mamie. So growing up, Uh, I always had a legion of female movie stars that I just adored. And and I am extra gay in this particular episode. And I apologize. I'm going to try really hard not to isolate my lesbian listeners. (laughs) Uh, And of course, my straight allies, because um, it's just super gay. All my references are really gay. And I apologize for that. But as like any stereotypical gay boy, I loved when old movies would come on and Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and Judy Garland would be on the screen. And I would just, oh, my God, I would play act through some of the scenes in in the movies. I actually um, once took all my mother's sweaters and tied them around my waist so I could be the character Julie Mardson in uh, Jezebel. Betty Davis uh, and Henry Fonda starred in Jezebel in 1938. So imagine me, uh, little Shawnee, with all these sweaters to make a big hoop skirt because it's 1852 
in the movie Jezebel. And my parents had a dinner party and all their guests were there. And uh, I came out sashaying like Betty Davis with all the sweaters around my waist. And I plopped down just like Betty Davis does in Jezebel to ask forgiveness uh, of Henry Ford, <laughs> which is fucking crazy. But uh, to ask forgiveness, and I said, I'm, um, oh, what's the line? Uh, I'm wearing white for you, press. And my father, in a rage, looked at me, looked at his son, his, his seven-year-old son, and said, that's enough! Like, he had had it with the Betty Dave. Enough with the Betty Davis. That's enough! Like, enough is enough. What, what can I do to get you to pick up a wiffle ball instead of, of acting out this, this uh, drama of the Deep South? So anyway, I always had a flair. I'd put the sweaters on my head, and I would be Margot Channing from All About Eve, Betty Davis's uh, classic 1950 film. Uh, and I would come out with a white crayon between my fingers and say, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night to which my parents would just sh like shake their head. And I, I can't imagine what they talked about when they would l be lying in bed like, hey, should we talk about there's a <laughs> we need to talk about Marm. We need to talk about Sean. Uh, yeah, I loved Betty Davis. She was my number one. Joan Crawford always a close second. But then there was Barbara Streisand and Bette Midler. Like if you were to read a book about gay stereotypes and the and the and the women gay men love, these are like all the quintessential. But I didn't know. I just was really drawn to them. So there was always a, a little hint in my childhood that drag was probably in my future. Uh, but I really didn't get the itch until uh, high school when I started reading books uh, about cult films. And in the books about cult films, they talked about John Waters. John Waters is um, the uh, king of filth. He directed films through the late 60s, 70s, and early 80s uh, with a cast of misfits, uh, the Dreamlanders. And these cast of misfits included Divine, who was a 300-pound female impersonator. Divine was her own character. She was bawdy. She was naughty. And I was going to St. Joe's, a Catholic boys' prep school. So I wore a tie to school every day. I was, I was, I was in drag. Don't worry. I was doing drag, and it was it was preppy drag. But there I was, uh, you know, every day with my penny loafers on and my khaki pants that were cuffed and rolled and and safety pinned and, and my hair flopped over one eye. But I wanted to be like Divine. I, I saw the things that that Divine did in the movies. And she she was she answered to no one. And I loved this character. I just was obsessed. So I remember one day uh, getting home before my mom and dad and finding my mom didn't wear a lot of makeup. So she had lipstick and a brown eyebrow pencil. But honey, I took that lipstick and that brown eyebrow pencil and created the face, the very face of Divine on my on my for mostly on my forehead because her eyebrows were up on her forehead and into her bald head. And uh, I thought, man, I got this down. I had just a few pictures of Divine in a book uh, that John Waters had written that I uh, that I got from the bookstore I worked at at the time. And then one day I saw that there was a Divine lookalike contest at Buffalo State College. And I was probably 17 and lived with my mom and dad in suburbia. And I wanted to 
be in this contest. So my bestie, Alicia, and I went to town and we bought all kinds of makeup and I bought a a wig budget witch. (laughs) Only the finest for Mamie. Uh, and I stuck with bu- the Budget series for for years, but Budget Witch was the uh, wig, and I tacked it to my head, and I teased it up to the sky. I painted my face within an inch of its life, uh, and it was spot on, may I say. Um, Divine and I were like twins, and uh, Alicia and I went to AmVets and found uh, a mint green Mother of the Bride dress that was just like kind of flowy and fun and a headband to match. So before I knew it, uh, I remember I had rehearsal for Swing Choir. And that was at St. Joe's until about nine o'clock. And then I went over to Alicia's mom's uh, and I got into drag and Alicia's mom dropped me off at the uh, I think I went alone. No, there were people there that I knew. Uh, But I went to Rockwell Hall at Buff State College and there was a showing of Pink Flamingos, one of John Waters uh, filthiest films. And my eyes popped out of my head. Pink Flamingos was like, no one had a copy of Pink Flamingos. It was so dirty and so bootleg that um, you couldn't even rent it. Uh, But there it was on the big screen, the filth. And I was like, I am divine, which she says in the movie. And I thought, I'm going to win this contest. I am going to take the title. I was looking at the other contestants. You don't look like divine. You don't look like divine. And uh, so it got time for the contest. And... The uh, the parade of uh, it was really a freak show. The parade of freaks um, made it up on stage and each said something into the microphone. And with cameras rolling, I flew onto that stage. I grabbed the mic and I said, I'm so beautiful. I can't stand it myself. I am divine. And I mugged and I, I modeled and I grabbed my crotch and I threw my hands straight up into the air and and I made kissy face to the audience. And who did I think I was? I'm a 17 year old Catholic boy in the closet. <laughs> Not for much longer. Uh, and I'm Channel Four was our CBS affiliate was there, and uh, yeah, I made it onto the news. So my parents think I'm just at Alicia's, you know, watching, you know, the twenty five thousand dollar pyramid or whatever was on that night in the eighties. And uh, I'm on the stage at Buff State, swinging it, modeling in a spastic manner, uh, and I, I won. I won. I am divine. I won. What did I win? I think I won like a, a gift card. I feel like a hundred dollars was part of it. And fame. I won fame. It was my first taste of fame. I could be somebody that I wasn't. People adored me. Nobody really knew who I was. I can win things. I get to be on TV. Drag is amazing. So I got bit by the bug. I actually got a a video copy of myself on the news screaming, I am divine. And I felt really fucking famous, like everybody in Buffalo stand aside. I didn't have a name. I just was was divine, just the divine impersonator. And I I worked it. I pulled the divine card through college. Anytime there was Halloween, I was back at AmVets buying the ugliest dresses I could find, teasing the budget witch wig. I remember one Halloween, I lost a shoe on the throughway. <laughs> I actually went back to see if I could find it. It was a pink high heel, uh, a big chunky heel. But uh, I only pulled out uh, Divine on Halloween. She she didn't come out uh, 
any other time. And it's the only drag that I really did was to look like to imitate Divine. Um, there was a senior show and I performed a number from Lust in the Dust, a non-John Waters film. But I sang this song called These Lips Were Made for Kissin'. And I could throw myself into Divine drag within minutes. And with very little, I was like the MacGyver of Divine drag. Like, uh, give me a safety pin, a stick of gum, and a clothespin. And before you know it, I'm wearing a 60s A-frame dress. I have a beehive up to the ceiling. And I am Divine. So this was my thing. It was my shtick. Uh, I was out of the closet by then. And um, I was home one Christmas and out at the bar and I met a fabulous creature named Martin Miller and Martin sort of took me under his wing. I'd never met anyone like Martin before. Martin was bigger than life. He was uh, connected. I felt like he was rich. He had his own apartment and I lived at home with my mom and dad and uh, I was about 19 and Martin uh, and I, we drank a lot together and we listened to Jimmy Somerville together and we ate a lot of pizza because he lived right near Lenova Pizzeria and uh, one night he said, honey, there is an ugly drag queen contest at Club Heat tonight. I think you should enter. And I was like, well, I do know how to do ugly drag pretty well. And uh, I said, and I do own a budget witch wig. <laughs> so I remember going to Kmart with him and trying to find a dress to wear and shoes to wear. And we went and we bought tons of cheap makeup at the drugstore. Uh, he found a uh, leopard skin stole uh, that was his mother's. And uh, I had uh, beauty school rollers in my hair. I, I, I did it. I uglied myself up. My, my face was beat and I showed up at Club Heat. He wanted me to, Martin was sort of like my agent or my, um, my Pygmalion, if you will. So he had this vision of me being just real skanky and trashy because it was an ugly drag queen. He's like, but you have to have a gimmick. So I want you to bring um, <laughs> a package of English muffins and a jar of jam. And I want you to just plop down next to the hottest guy you can find and just start putting jam on an English muffin and eating it right in front of him. Like no one's going to know what the fuck to say. And I was like, that is genius. Like. I'm going to do this. I'm going to and I'm going to win. <laughs> I wanted to win. So uh, we went to Club Heat and there were some uglies there. But, honey, I had the gimmick and I had Martin to to lead me around the club. And we were like, we need a name. We need a name. We need a name. And I said, I kind of feel like a demented Auntie Mame. Uh, if you don't know who Auntie Mame is, Auntie Mame was the main character in a book by Patrick Dennis. She's fictional, uh, but in the book, she uh, went to school in Buffalo. Allegedly, the Buffalo Seminary uh, was the basis of, of her um, her high school, so which is right near my house. So Auntie Mame was like a fairy godmother uh, in, in New York City through the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And uh, she was eclectic and eccentric. And uh, there was a film, uh, Auntie Mame, I think 1959. Um, everybody has to, to check this movie out. It's really, really great. Um, it has Rosalind Russell playing Auntie Mame, the titular character. And uh, she's just phenomenal. So I sort of borrowed the name uh, Mame, and Mame hates being called Mamie in the movie. Mamie, they call her, and she hates it, hates it. So I feel like I had a last name, like during the drive to Club Heat, it was DeMilo, Mamie DeMilo, but then it just, you know, we got lazy and it was just Mamie. 
So Mamie arrived and I was putting jelly on my <laughs> English muffins. My panties would fall down every once in a while. And I would I had a pair of like khaki shorts on under my uh, under my like I had like a house coat on or a house dress. Uh, and then we had to get up and, and model or mug you know, back and forth and looking over each shoulder and blowing kisses and throwing my arms up in the air, doing, you know, what I did so well. And uh, I I have a great picture of, of this, uh, luckily. And uh, I won. I won. Miss Thang. Miss Thang, Miss Thang. Uh, the ugliest drag queen of 1991. <laughs> so there I was. I now Mamie had... Um, her her entree into uh, the gay bar society. So I really wasn't interested in going out and drag unless there was a contest or something like that. Uh, and then Martin said, you have to meet my friend Lee Chapel. Lee Chapel is an incredible angel of a man. And at the time he was working uh, a club called the Roxy and working a night called Locomotion, which was famous for muscle boys, go-go boys and drag queens. But these weren't like, I want to look like Diana Ross or I look like Liza Minnelli drag queens. These were like a bunch of divines um, with outlandish makeup on and hair that was just like defied all odds and and incredible costumes and a gimmick like they could twirl fire batons or they were on roller skates or they could, you know, crack a whip in the air. And um, Lee was coming to Buffalo to do a party, which was an AIDS benefit. All of Lee's uh, he was in empresario, if you will. I always compared him to a, a ringmaster of a really crazy three ring circus full of drag queens and 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 go go boys and and uh, just a cast of oddities, just like the John Waters films. And so he said, Lee is coming to town with people from New York, um, famous drag queens that you may have seen in the movie Wigstock or you may have read about in Paper Magazine, uh, drag queens that I knew I did know who they were. There was Brandywine and Brenda Agogo. These two, oh my God, they they did the kind of drag that I really liked. It was uh, they were in white face, uh, and they had like really large, very brightly colored bee stung lips, and um, again eyebrows up on their forehead and and eyelashes that were made of either construction paper or something, so that they were like three, four, five, six inches long into the air, and uh, lots of neon and and things that would glow in a black light. And I'm like, I gotta up my game here because. Uh, um, I'm going to be working for Lee Chapel, empresario, thrower of parties. So uh, I, I actually rented a costume. I rented a really tall white Marie Antoinette wig and uh, the, the theme was heaven or hell. So I was going as hell. So I found a, a, a really ugly sort of 60s sleeveless uh, dress that was like cut above the knee and some red thigh boots. And uh, that's where I got my I got my wand at that time, uh, which I still have. It's in a bin somewhere in our basement. Uh, my my original wand uh, that had like this magic ball at the end so I could cast spells. And uh, I, I did my face in white face. And we had a there was like a pre party, like a cocktail party. And I was introduced to a group of people like I'd never seen before. Just it was like being in a John Waters movie. Um, 
these beautiful, beautiful dancers, um, just gorgeous bodies, gorgeous faces, like untouchable. Um, these amazing drag queens who had clearly spent more than $15 <laughs> on their wigs. Um, that's probably what I spent on mine. Um, and then, of course, Lee himself was was larger than life and in an incredible costume. And we all headed to this to this bar that had never seen the likes of this before. And there were um, big uh, black light flowers that glowed in the dark. They were day glow and there was all kinds of streamers and confetti. And we all took our spots on boxes or speakers. So we were up in the air and um, they I think the, the song was either um, Strike It Up or Everybody, Everybody by Black Box. And he's like, honey, just play with the crowd. And that's what I did. And I, I'm like, this is my, I found my calling. <laughs> I'm, it's to dance and drag on a box. Uh, all my friends were there. Alicia was there. My friend Scott was there. Um, I felt like I was like, I had found my home. Like this, these are my people. This is what I was born to do. And after that night, I had a taste of this. And I really wanted to follow Lee wherever he went. And again, I was only 19. Uh, I was still in college. This was the winter time that I, I uh, did this first party. And so it was kind of hard for me to orchestrate this side of my life. Uh, I didn't do it during the day. I didn't wear women's clothes during the day. Uh, I didn't go to gay bars as Mamie. I would go as Sean. But when Lee was in town or Lee was you know, in in New York or in Toronto, I made sure that I tried to get myself on a list like, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this. So I really had Martin to thank for introducing me to these amazing people. If you listened to my episode about West Side Story slash dead gay porn stars, <laughs> Jerry, the, the my true love at 19 uh, was one of the dancers uh, at Lee's first party, Heaven or Hell. And he was one of the most beautiful people I'd ever seen. But in drag, I could have my way with anyone. I could go up and, and, and do things to people and say forward things to people that I would never say to them as Sean. And uh, it was it was amazing to be in a costume and to be a character. Uh, and then for people to see me out of character, just as myself, uh, I was very different. I was I was afraid to approach people. I would never approach a, a really attractive or good looking person. But as Mamie, I would plot down next to them, give them a big kiss on the cheek and then start putting grape jelly on an English muffin. I mean, it's fucked up. I agree. But it was, uh, you know, it was it was what I called my life at the time. And so uh, we did a party in Toronto uh, and Lee said, you know, you're going to fly at this one, Mamie. And I said, fly. Well, of course I will. And I we rehearsed uh, at this club where they had a rigging system. And I was probably 80 to 100 feet in the air when I started. I was in the scaffolding and Goldfinger started to play and the lights went down and the spotlight came on me. And I was singing live uh, to an instrumental version of, of Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger. Uh, I had one of those headsets on like Madonna in the Blonde Ambition tour. So I felt like uh, I, I felt like fucking a star. So um, I started to float down and the crowd was going, who expected someone to be flying? And um, I had my costume made. This girl, Kara, made a costume a la Auntie Mame's pajamas. So I was wearing a gold bodysuit. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, 
you have to have a certain kind of body to pull off any kind of body suit. I don't believe I had that body, but it's certainly not the body I have now. I, uh, if you see me wandering around in a gold bodysuit, call the police. Over the gold bodysuit, I had these like Palazzo pajama pants that were um, edged in marabou and then a, a pajama top that had like wizard sleeves with with marabou. My hair was tied up and in a long black. My hair was like long and black and shiny. Um, it was a look, let me tell you. And I had it up just like Madonna in a, in a high ponytail. My face was white. My eyelashes were made of construction paper. And every time I batted them, it just made like this big shadow. And uh, I came flying down singing Goldfinger. And it was just fucking incredible. Um, I was probably so it was the beginning of the night. So I was probably sober during that moment. And then the, the, the trick and what we had to get right in rehearsal was for me to fly into this prop, this this sun that Lee had designed and brought from New York in pieces. Uh, I was to fly into the mouth of the sun. And then as it slammed shut, this this techno song called Oh Fortuna was supposed to begin and uh, the crowd would go wild. So I remember I actually rehearsed it in in like Bermuda, Bermuda shorts and uh, penny loafers. And one of my penny loafers fell about 100 feet down onto the dance floor during rehearsal. But I still um, I made it happen. We barely got over the border. Let me tell you, um, uh, one of the people at this party was Willie Ninja. And Willie Ninja is the man who taught Madonna how to Vogue. Willie Ninja was part of the drag ball scene. If any of you are watching Pose, uh, which is on FX, which is about the drag balls in, in Harlem, Willie Ninja grew up in these drag balls, which are uh, were primarily for black and Latino uh, trans people. Um, but Willie Willie uh, taught us all some moves and was friends with Lee and meeting him. And after after you know, like seeing Madonna in uh, Truth or Dare and and knowing that some of her dancers were proteges of Willie Ninja, uh, just meeting him was f- incredible to me. Again, you know I'm a star fucker, so I hear Willie Ninja is going to be there and um you know sign me up so uh this was an incredible party he invited us to new york to dance at the palladium and by this time jerry and i were together not together and so we sort of created a look so we sort of looked like the yin and yang of each other but it was still pretty outrageous uh drag club kids were coming into vogue uh and club kids had a certain look and this this night at the palladium was to be bigger than any night uh that lee had ever produced and so we were actually dancing in a cage that uh was suspended from the ceiling and would go up and down like an elevator but we were dancing in this cage uh and in the basement of this club when we were getting ready um a drag queen named constance whose real name is actually Robert Sherman. He was uh, a Maplethorpe model, uh, bald, uh, alopecia, I believe, uh, no eyelashes, no eyebrows, bald headed. And uh, he wore like a simple black dress and this fierce makeup. He kind of looked like Sasha Velour or Cleopatra from uh, American Horror Stories Hotel. I think um, Constance probably was the muse for that character. Again, if you have to Google all this stuff, I apologize. I know this is loaded with with names, sweetie, names, names. Uh, but Constance uh, noticed that I had a whip and he's like, honey, do you know how to crack that? I feel like I've told this story before on this podcast. But anyway, Constance showed us how to crack a whip in the air, like ching. And, uh, you know, 
It's a valuable lesson that any young man must learn in life. How do I crack a whip in the air while dancing wildly on a speaker to Finally by CeCe Peniston? So this party was amazing, and Mamie had reached new heights. Now we were traveling. We were in New York City, baby, and uh, it was quite a scene. I will say I didn't do any drugs during this time. I drank like it was my job, uh, which is sad and unfortunate and fodder for another podcast. But uh, I definitely remember a lot of this, which (laughs) which is really good. You know, that saying like people that went to Studio 54 and can remember being there were never there. Like if you can remember being at Studio 54, clearly you're lying because anybody there was so drugged up and drunk that uh, they it was just a big blackout. But I remember all of this and it was just incredible. So now I'm probably 20, 21 and I'm, I'm doing shows uh, here in Buffalo. And I only did shows. I never really went out just as Mamie, just for fun. But um, I found out that drag queens are mean. (laughs) I sang everything live. I was definitely a budget queen. Like I did not have the money for to have uh, beautiful gowns. And I didn't want to be beautiful. I wanted to be like a John Waters character or a Lee Chapel production. I didn't want to look like a, a woman uh, I wanted to look like a, uh, it was more like of a, of a, of a clown. I had more of a clown feel to me. Um, and the, uh, the other drag queens were pressuring me <laughs> to be prettier and to look more real. And uh, so I sort of toned my, my hair was again long and black. So I threw it up in a French twist and I sort of thought, well, I'll do some, I'll, I'll do some Barbara Streisand, like, you know, that's what I mean. My drag is being compromised. Uh, but I thought that's what people wanted. And I remember uh, I had again, I won things. I won an award and there was a, a ceremony uh, at one of the bars and they were showing clips of the drag shows. And I caught one of the drag queens just being so mean about me. And I I let her know, like, I can fucking hear you. But I wasn't uh, I wasn't loved by all. I think a lot of these queens were were mean to me because they were jealous that I sang live or that I like got to to travel to two cities. <laughs> I went to two places, everyone. Uh, I don't know. But it was uh, it was a hard lesson that not everybody was on my side. So um I toned my drag down. Martin had moved by this time. Lee had sort of calmed down with the parties and and my drag was uh, I don't know. I it wasn't really I wasn't being true to myself, but I thought I'm going to write. I'm going to do a cabaret act as Mamie and I'm going to I'm going to write a skeleton outline and I'm going to ad lib most of it. And I'm going to do about 10 songs that mean a lot to me. And I'm going to pack the fucking place and I'm going to win awards and I'm going to get a lot of attention. And so I did. I lived with my mom and dad and I would sit in my bedroom and I would work out these routines and I would pre-record. I had like one of those. (laughs) So embarrassing. I had like a Casio keyboard that had a record option so I could record songs that I played on the keyboard and I would I would find music for or just play by ear different songs. Uh, and some had like that boom, 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 like that was the beat. But that so this is like lowbrow for sure. Um, but I did like 10 songs. I did a lot of Barbra Streisand uh, hits. Uh, I did some Romanovsky and Phillips. They were um, a, a duo that did uh, songs that were like gay parodies. So one of the songs I did was um, 
Don't use your penis as your brain. A crowd pleaser. Uh, I did Moon River. I did Cry Me a River, many rivers. Uh, and I did a lot of shtick in between. And it was called Mamie Live. And it was about a two and a half hour show. I will say that as I look back on my life, to think that I was able to pull this show out of my ass and pack the club and have people cheering for me and and laughing along with me and crying along with me. Yeah, maybe they weren't crying along with me, but, you know, crying. <laughs> I, I'm pretty amazed. And I was uh, I was a young kid. I was just 20. And uh, I luckily this has been captured on film. Yes. And my friend Jimmy put it on a DVD for me. So someday when my son is old enough, <laughs> I can say fun. Daddy was a drag queen. And look at Mamie live. And I'm really proud of it. I'm proud of it. It was 1992. So I was 20, 21. I was 20. And uh, the show was terrific. It was terrific. I really thought I had arrived. I have arrived. Um, there used to be a paper called. Oh, shit. What was it called? Um, it was like a drag paper. Oh, help me. Ken Devlin, help me. Um, but anyway, there was Raven Crow and Raven Crow did the, um, the drag reviews. And I will say that Mamie was a favorite of, uh, of Raven Crow and got a lot of photos in this newspaper and got a lot of, um, good reviews again, enraging the nasty drag queens. And um, Mamie Live was like a big deal. And I won best live performance. I mean, who made up the I mean, whose contest is this really? But it was best live performance by a drag queen and uh, a plaque with my name, Mamie and best live show 1992 hung on the uh, wall at Club Heat, which is in downtown Buffalo or was in downtown Buffalo for until it burned to the ground. <laughs> it didn't burn to the ground. It probably should have. But um, what the fuck was that paper called? Arr, someone's going to tell me. Um, but anyway, Raven Crow. And uh, I thought, you know what? Much like Mary Tyler Moore, I'm going to go out while I'm on top. I'm going to leave. I'm going to stop doing drag right now. And there were lots of reasons why I stopped doing drag. I stopped doing drag because I didn't have any energy left after that Mamie Live performance. I think that I, you know, how they that stupid saying they you left it all out on the stage. Well, it, it really means something like I fucking left it out on the stage. So I was also like at the height of my drag popularity. <laughs> it sounds so stupid when you think about it. But I was like, I wanted people to remember me as like a really good performer and somebody who had a, a, a good gimmick. And I also didn't like that. I was trying to look more and more like a woman. Like I, I, I wanted, I liked the, 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 the club kid drag so much better. And I, I definitely resembled Barbara Streisand um, at the time. I had a totally different nose. Oh, <gasps> babe, did you know? I had a nose job. Yeah. Soon after Mamie live, maybe, oh my goodness, maybe weeks after, I think it was February of 1992. I went under the knife. I had a Roman nose, kind of a hook nose. And, uh, I hated it. I thought it made me really, really ugly. And while it looked good in Barbara Streisand drag, and I tried to get that makeup perfect, that that mid-60s Barbara Streisand cat eye, I think I really nailed it. But uh, yeah, you know, I just thought I was an ugly boy, and I never thought I was a good-looking guy. And I thought, well, this nose job is going to, oh, this nose job is going to make people take me seriously as a boy. Now, 
when you're a drag queen, I'm going to tell you that you don't get a lot of dates. People aren't gay guys don't want to date a lot of drag queens. This is my experience from 26 years ago. Um, people thought I was funny and hilarious and, and would be great to invite to cocktail parties. But when I would show up as a boy, um, they were like, oh, Mame!" like nobody wants to fuck a guy named Mamie <laughs> is what I found out. So I thought I need to develop my male persona like I spent a lot of time being Mamie and, um, you know, I want to get laid. So I had a nose job and uh, I remember going to the club with my cast on my nose, which was against my surgeon's uh, warnings. But I still went out and was like, don't dance near me. I just had a nose. I would tell people I was in a fight, but clearly I had a nose job. And um, I cut my long, black, shiny hair into that sort of 90s floppy, like rakish, uh, like Zach on Saved by the Bell. And I dyed it brown and put blonde highlights in. And I sort of I got into new drag. I got into boy drag, um, sort of sort of uh, preppy J. Crew boy drag. And I thought that, you know, this is now I can be myself. And I remember they asked me to perform uh, at a uh, AIDS benefit. And I said, I will perform. I will sing. Uh, but I am going to sing as a boy. And they're like, well, can we still say Mamie is is perform the headliner? I'm like, you could say whatever you want, but I'm not going to come in drag. I am a boy and I'm not a drag queen anymore. And I'm sticking to my gun. So, you know. AIDS benefits starring Mamie and I showed up in like a navy blue blazer and khaki pants and a red bow tie with my floppy hair and guess what not well received Mamie what's what the fuck and so now you've got this boy named Mamie standing out there and I remember I sang the the newly released from Sunset Boulevard uh, as if we never said goodbye. I don't know why I'm frightened. And I, I sold it. And I was sort of acting like I was like walking through the backstage of my life. And uh, it was dramatic. And I'm sure I sang it well, but nobody gave a fuck. They just wanted Mamie. And soon after, now it's about 1993, soon after, um, I gave it all up and moved to Florida to pursue my dream of working at Disney. I did not do drag uh, for the five years I lived in Florida, except twice on Halloween. I did Divine and then I was a, a sister of perpetual indulgence. Google it. Um so, sort of a white-faced white nun with uh, a glittery beard, <laughs> which was lots of fun. Um, but I didn't do drag. And then I moved home 20 years ago, and I have not put on a lick of drag since. It was just this little moment, this little, t little bit of time in my life where I got to be someone else and got to get away with murder and get to do things that... that um, were just wild and, and unexpected and, and opportunities that were offered to me that is just Sean Doyle, nobody would have offered me. So uh, when Mary texted me, I need to see pictures of Mamie stat. I'm like, yeah, on it. And I was like, yeah, Mamie was a definite thing. I, I wonder now and I'm speculating. I'm off script. 
um, what what can I take from it now? And wh- how can I how can I use this? And um, just a really funny story. Uh, one of my drag friends, Symphony Bar, great name. Symphony uh, is a guy named Bob who used to work at Burger King on Elmwood Avenue and would give us free food. So we would come through and if Bobby was working, we would get free burgers, free fries. Um, I loved when Bobby was working. But Symphony Bar, uh, I put a picture of myself, my profile picture on Facebook book is that of Mamie in Toronto at the gold party in 1991 or two. And um, Bob said, would you be interested in performing at the Buffalo Gay Icon Pageant, Miss Buffalo Gay Icon Pageant? And then I saw right after that, Sean Doyle said, thank you. So I clicked on Sean Doyle. It was my dad. (laughs) So I wrote to Bob, uh, hold it. That's my dad saying thank you. Um, I don't know how he got on here, but, uh, well, he has a Facebook account, but he's never on his computer. And I said, is that a real thing? And it is a real pageant. And I said, oh, something to think about. Uh, So I confronted my parents and I said, Dad, have you been on my Facebook page responding to people (laughs) inappropriately? And um, he said, no, I haven't. And my mother looked at me and she said, I have. It's the marijuana talking. She said, I saw that picture of you all made up. Was that you? I said, it was me. And she said, when was this? And I was so tempted to say it was actually last night. I have this whole other life that you don't know about. While I'm not busy being a full time dad, I'm out uh, at the clubs wearing wearing uh marabou feathers but uh she she just hit like any letter and it suddenly said thank you and she posted it but she doesn't even have a facebook account so how she hacked into my dad's facebook i have no idea um she is on the pot though so you know anything could happen it got me thinking should i come back should i do a one night only (gasps) a 47 year old mamie on that stage with a little bit of money and a good wig fuck you budget witch i'm going lace front Oh, God, can you imagine? I think about it and think, like, I'd have to shave my beard, and I kind of wish I were a little thinner, but I would I do it? I think it would be amazing. Uh, and and, it, and it, it reminds me that that little part of me has not died, that there's still a little Mamie in there. And, you know, I can work a room. I can, I can, I perform. I sing jazz, and, you know, I don't wave a wand over people's heads, uh, but I feel like I still have a little bit of that oomph, that Mamie had, that moxie that Mamie had. And uh, it just was a really important time in my life. Definitely uh, parts, the best parts of which I carry, I carry with me. There were some dark moments. There was a night where Mamie, dressed as the evil queen from Snow White, uh, carrying an apple, which I, I won a contest. I actually won my own contest. It was a Halloween costume contest. So maybe I have done drag in the last 20 years. Whoops. Um, when I was still drinking and I was out at um, the Buffalo Underground, I emceed and won a contest um, as the Snow Queen, the evil queen from Snow White, you know, with the, the, the black headpiece on and the crown and the and the purple velvet. And I had an apple in my hand and I would walk around silently. But I, my walk became a stumble and then it became like a drunken brawl out in, fr- in front of uh, the underground. The evil queen got into a fight with someone and I got punched in the chest. Yeah, 
don't punch this queen. And I remember parts of my costume went missing. Again, just like in Fredonia, I had to go looking for my, I think it was the crown. It was actually borrowed from my friend Alicia. The costume was, I think I returned it to her. Alicia, did I return that to you? Um, but the crown was store-bought. But anyway, all, the, all of my Mamie stories aren't lucid, but so that was a bad one. So I don't take those parts, but I would say, so like, what's the lesson here? We have to wrap it up with a lesson. Um, the lesson is that you, you really can be anybody that you want to be. And I think that throughout our lives, um, a, a two or three year period as a drag queen or two or three year period as someone who's experimenting with their sexuality or a, a six month period in the mental hospital. These are all little blips in our life that all uh, add up to the amazing people that we are today. And getting older is kind of awesome, I can say. Um, I'm still rather young, right? 47. But I feel like I've, I've lived quite a life already. And I think that all of these things that I've had a chance to be from child Betty Davis impersonator to, to Mamie to, you know... Um, client at Bryland to to being Jack's daddy uh, all will make me, uh, you know, worthy of a memoir when I'm 80, let's just say. So I don't know, just embrace all these little parts of your life and take all those good parts and, and keep them with you. So I'm going to close with O Fortuna. Pretend that I am flying into the mouth of a Baroque sun. It clamps shut. Mamie disappears and you hear... 